Welcome to GAG, the Eating with Head and Neck Cancer Treatment Podcast. I'm your host, Devon McLaren, and this show is all about the vernacular of head and neck cancer treatment. What do I mean by that? There's a whole new life and language to learn after head and neck cancer treatment, and on this show, I endeavour to crack open the subtleties of the side effects that treatment affords us as patients. It's the show for patients, carers and medical practitioners to hear from lived experience and my particular passion is food and living your best food life after treatment. If you'd like to be part of this community, I'd encourage you to subscribe to GAG the newsletter. There's a link in the show notes below. In the meantime, grab your favourite beverage or your walking shoes and let's get started. Hello there, thank you for joining me here today on this episode 61 of GAG, Eating with Head and Neck Cancer. I'm so pleased you could be here today. Uh, I had to have a look back and see uh, what I spoke about with a webinar that Head and Neck Cancer Australia had put together with a couple of dietitians um, around head and neck cancer space and uh, as a lived experience person I wanted to talk about peg tube feeding and commercial formulas uh, as an episode in its own right. Um, It's a subject that I read a lot about uh, both the peg tube and the actual formula or the food to put in that peg tube itself. So, you know, I had a peg tube for 15 months and it was really difficult. Uh, It it was difficult from a mental perspective, from a physical perspective. um, And I'm often asked how I coped with that and... I think given that I was doing it on my own in many ways, I think in hindsight made it easier. I didn't have anyone else uh, looking at me, um, requiring anything of me. So I just had my own little bubble to get around in and work it out myself. But it was very much a mental battle. I had to get my mind right back in the day and I read a lot on social media about people saying, oh, I don't want to get a peg tube, I don't want to do this, I don't want to do that. It's got this stigma and I don't really understand why. Although as soon as I say that, I think, well, maybe that's why I didn't want to live the rest of my life with a peg tube. I mean, let's be honest, it's inconvenient and it's um, an artificial way of eating and it's not the greatest way of eating but that aside um, I'm here to motivate and give people hope around having a feeding tube and I'm a walking talking living breathing example of someone who had one for well over a year and now is eating orally pretty much mm, 
I say most things. I tried some chilli chocolate on the weekend and that didn't go down well. And I can no longer eat pickled onions, one of my favourites. So there's still some things that I don't manage. But having a peg tube feeder should not be uh, anything to feel uncomfortable about, embarrassed about, it is a means to an end, hopefully, or it is a means to keeping you alive. So, you know, there are your options. Getting my mind right. The first thing I had to do was accept it and accept it as a way of me getting enough nutrients in my body to make sure that I was actually healing and uh, getting better so that was one of the first things it did Uh, I had to find a lot of mental strength mental strength I didn't even know I possessed (laughs) Um, you know I had to look under rocks I had to look into crevices I had to look into dark corners uh, perhaps when I really didn't want to but I had to do it and I had to come to some sort of reckoning with myself about, you know, Yvonne, this is just not going to be forever. This is going to be for as long as it takes to get you through the worst part of uh, the healing after having had all the treatment. And, uh, you know, and I talk about this in other episodes. I never put fresh food in my feeding tube. I think... Uh, in fact, I'm almost sure that had I had to have that feeding tube, if it fell out on its own accord in the end for me. Uh, but if I had been told that I have to have it for another six months, then I would have most definitely gone to um, fresh food. You know, if you're if you're on those artificial formulas for the first bit, I think that's okay. But after a while. It does start to play with your head. It does start to, um, well, notwithstanding that you're not getting any textural or flavour profiling in your mouth, you're not using your mouth, you're not using your mouth for its intended purpose of eat, chew, swallow, slurp, crunch, uh, eat, drink. You're bypassing all of that and putting stuff into your peg. Um, now, if you're listening to this, I'm not talking about babies, paediatrics, any of that. I'm just talking about head and neck cancer treatment patients as it relates to my lived experience. So mental strength was a really big part of it. And honesty, being honest with myself. Um, you know, there was no more pretending that I wasn't going through this. Uh, I was going through it and... Having people around me, you know, that's why I say it's a double-edged sword being on my own as opposed to having a spouse or a significant other or, or a carer or family members that are with you doing this journey with you because I didn't have any of that dynamic going on around me. Um, I very much just had me to deal with and that's why I say it's a double-edged sword. I had to be very careful that I didn't go down that rabbit warren of woe is me and not be able to pull myself back out of it. Uh, But equally, I didn't have someone else's diet requirements, someone else's eating timetable, children, young family. I didn't have any of that. So I suspect in many ways it was a lot easier 
for me. But even so, I still had to be really honest with myself about the limitations that that peg placed on me. And um, one of the questions I often get asked is, what do you do about travelling if you can't take your food or you can't access food or... And I've never travelled and not been able to access something. But I have talked about this previously, having an what they call an elevator pitch. Um, and it's quite a well-known uh, thing in marketing and sales arenas. It's about pitching yourself, your sale, your product, your service in the time that it would take you to go one or two floors in an elevator, which is why they call it an elevator pitch. So you have to cover all the main points succinctly and get your message across in a very short amount of time. And I use that technique uh, when travelling, talking to other people, even if I'm just going a few kilometres from my home base and kitchen, uh, I use an elevator pitch to tell people in restaurants, cafes, um, hospitals even sometimes because they don't know either um, about my food and what I can eat and what I can't eat and, and if I was having food t- tube eating at that point I would take my own bottles of formula um, so I don't poo-poo commercial formula but I also think that fresh food uh, is for me uh the better way to go long term because even if you're just having smoothies, um, I noticed the difference in fresh food almost immediately upon, you know, clinking over to it uh, from the commercial formulas in those plastic bottles. My brain uh, was clearer, my memory, my um, skin colour, um my bowel movements, uh, my stomach, my nausea, all of that improved almost overnight from the moment I started um, drinking fresh food smoothies. And my smoothies had things like eggs, spinach, mango, whole Greek yogurt, um, chia seeds, uh, strawberries, parsley, um, protein powder which I'd researched so uh, you know that's kind of where I ended up with the food fresh food thing and I think if you're on a peg tube permanently then I just don't think there's any other way I think fresh food eating is really the only way uh, you can go so that's uh, formulas and pegs. I don't think there should be a stigma attached to them. Um, I think if it gives you the best chance of eating well, eating high density or, or getting the right amount of protein, particularly in the early part of your treatment, then I'd be going for it. Yes, you're going to end Well, I ended up with quite a big hole in my stomach, but I've seen other patients who it's almost... Physically, you couldn't tell that they've had a peg tube. For me, I look like I've got two belly buttons. But, um, yeah, I think uh, get your mind right, acceptance, uh, find your mental strength and ability and be honest with yourself. Uh, And I think once you've got those things 
you know, better down and you know how to manage that through meditation and yoga. And I know that all sounds about woohoo, but seriously, it worked for me. And um, I think you'll find if you put some commitment and some focus on it, it'll work for you too. All right, thank you for joining me here today. I hope you got something out of that. And um, yeah, if you've got a peg tube, um, you know, use it for what it's intended for and uh, try and have a plan to move off that peg tube. And if you're having trouble with that, uh, my resources will help you with that too. I've actually written a pathway as to how I transitioned off my peg tube back to oral eating. Everything I did... I stepped it out, I wrote it down, I created checklists, I created a program called the Mind Food Body Program to get me back to oral eating again, which was a really big goal of mine. All right, Uh, continue to eat well, look after yourself and look after someone else and I'll see you next episode. Okay, bye. Thank you for listening to Gag and the No Feeding Tube Show with Yvonne Grace McLaren. I'd love to invite you to come over to my friendly community on Facebook, ask questions and share stories about your food life. This podcast is all about the patient food experience following head and neck cancer treatment. A podcast sharing our food life one story at a time.